I have a friend who, when the Powerball lottery reaches $100 million, he will call me and he will say this, Jerry, I bought two tickets for the Powerball lottery. It's now at $119 million. I know you won't buy one for yourself, so I bought one for me, I bought one for you. Here are your numbers. If you win, you are going to be a rich man. I've never won. <laughs> and, and by the way, I'm not encouraging you to play the Powerball lottery or any lottery. I think it's a terrible investment of your hard-earned money. But that doesn't keep my mind every so often when he makes that phone call to me from wondering a little bit, and I start playing these scenarios through my head. The first scenario that often goes through my mind is this. So if I won $119 million, how much would I really end up with? You know, I'd probably take the cash payout, and then after taxes and all, I might end up with half of that if I'm lucky. And then I think, oh, I have, yeah, I could probably make it on, you know, 60 million, I, I don't know. I'd try. You know, I, I could at least have a long extended vacation in the Caribbean and take all of you with me, you know, something like that, if you're nice to me, that sort of thing. Um, so, so I think that scenario through. Then my mind goes to another scenario. What would I do if I had that kind of money just to spend? Well, I think, you know, maybe I would like just go to every NFL arena, you know, take one fall and winter and just travel around and see an NFL football game in every arena in the United States. That'd be kind of cool to go to all of them, you know. And if it were like December and the game were in Florida or Arizona or California, I could get my wife to go along with me too, you know. Then, then I think of a third scenario in my head. What would I do with the rest of it? Because like, when you have that much money, you can only spend it on yourself so many ways, right? And then I get to thinking, I'd give it away. Wouldn't that be fun to like be able to be generous with it, with other people? And I think, you know, that's pretty noble of me. Until I get to thinking this thought. Now, wait a minute. Here's the way my line of thinking goes. After I've spent what I want on me, then I'll be generous with it. Hmm. Well, if I was going to be generous with it, why wouldn't I just give it all away from the start? Well, regardless of all the scenarios I paint for you, it's real easy for me to get trapped into this line of thinking. It goes like this. If I had more, then I would be generous. It's interesting, though, because I have more now than I had 30 years ago. So that's a pretty easy way to evaluate it, isn't it? You know what was going on 30 years ago? I was married at the time, but it was B.C., before children. And uh, my wife and I were, I think, living in Texas at the time. She was going to school. We didn't have much. She was in school. Um, I had a part-time job. I was pastoring this little church. We didn't have much, but that didn't matter. We lived in a two-room apartment. We had just enough furniture to sit on. Um, I remember there was this wealthy older gentleman who was getting rid of a recliner chair. He had this beautiful luxury leather recliner chair. His dog had chewed a hole right in the middle of the seat cushion, literally like a 10-inch hole in the middle of it. So he was getting rid of it. So I said, could I have that chair? 
And he said, sure. So I took it and I got a piece of foam rubber and I cut it to fit the size and shape of that hole, put it inside, duct taped over the top, bought a towel to lay over the seat, color coordinated with the chair, of course. And then I sat in that thing and I thought I was living large at the time. I mean, it was, it was a great chair. We had that chair for many, many years until try, finally we tried to sell it, I think at a garage sale. It wouldn't sell. Can you believe that? I was a little bit hurt about that, that my chair wouldn't sell in, in that garage sale. But, you know, as I think back to 30 years ago when I had less, I'm not so sure I wasn't just as content then as I am now. So I'm not sure about how that line of thinking goes. You know, we didn't have much, but we held on to it real loosely. I mean, literally, like, we would give 20 or 25% of our income to our church on a regular basis. Things would pop up and there would be need for this. And we'd give it away, and it was no big deal to us at all. So I'm wondering if it's not more challenging when you get more to be generous. It might be, and maybe part of the reason for that is because what we own often ends up owning us. Now we know, we know intellectually, that true joy and true fulfillment comes not from getting things, it comes from generosity. It comes from giving it away. Did you know that God designed us to be that way? Listen to the words of Jesus. This is Acts 20, verse 36. He's, you should remember the words of Jesus. It is more blessed to give than receive. Now, notice what it does not say. It doesn't say that it's not a blessing to receive, right? We all like to get things. I mean, if you're not sure about that, go ahead, give me a Ferrari, Lamborghini, and just watch how blessed you'll make me feel, all right? It's a blessing to receive. What Jesus said was it's more blessed to give than receive. About 10 years ago, I learned a lesson about what Jesus was saying, and it was a defining moment for me in my life. Um, a little bit of the backstory. At the time, we were struggling as a church. We were struggling financially. We had had to cut salaries at that time. My wife was in nursing school at the time. We were trying to pay her nursing, but we had two kids in high school, one who was about to enter middle school. And, and literally, we were at a point where, from month to month, we were just trying to pay the bills. We came to the end of the year at the church, and there was an offering at the end of the year. And I honestly, I don't even remember what it was for. Um, but we prayed about it, thought about it, and decided to give $1,000, which at the time was a huge sacrifice for us. Well, we had extended that for a week or two, and the following week we kept praying about it, and we sensed that we should give a little more. So we gave another $500. So we ended up giving $1,500. I think it was that next week, my wife got a letter in the mail from the school she was attending. She had received a scholarship for nursing school the next semester. This isn't something we knew about. This isn't something she had applied for. In fact, she actually called the school up and asked him, is this legitimate or not? It was. The amount of that scholarship was $1,581. Now that blew me away at the time. 
So after I got done thanking my wife for getting <laughs> good grades, I began to think about that. What do you think that did for me when that happened? It was not only a defining moment, it was very emotional, and it became clear to me on that day that generosity is a whole lot better of a way to live. I mean, hands down, no contest. Even today, when I think about that situation, it makes me feel emotional inside knowing what happened in that situation. But I've also noticed this. We as a family are at a season of life financially where we don't have to worry at the end of the month if we're going to have enough to pay the bills. Yet there are still days or months where I get caught up thinking, you know, if I had more, I would be more generous. Why? Well, because what I end up doing is comparing myself to those who have more than me, and I think they are the ones who should be generous. What happens to me in those situations? Clearly, it's not about what I have and don't have. We've already established that, right? I had less 30 years ago. There's a constant struggle that's taking place at a deeper level in my heart. So here's the myth. It's this. If I had more, I would be generous. That's what we think, isn't it? I can't wait till I'm rich. Then I'll just give it all away. No, that's not true. Generosity is not about how much you have. It's about what you do with what you do have. So here's the truth. If I were generous, I would have more. Not more money, but more of what I'm really looking for in life. And that's why Jesus said it's more blessed to give than receive. If I were generous, I would have more joy, more peace, more contentment. And when I'm generous, I get to be part of a bigger story. Your, your work, your job now has purpose and meaning to it because part of what you earn goes to what really matters in this life and for eternity. And it means a closer relationship with God because God is a giving God. So it connects us with Him when we give. How much you have doesn't make you generous. Generosity is something that happens at a heart level. It has nothing to do with how much you have or don't have. Ron Blue was a Christian counselor and author for many, many years. And he used to tell a story of a time he took a trip to Africa. And he visited a poor, small, rural village. Ron asked one of the leaders of that village what the biggest problem was facing that village. Here's what the man said to him. Materialism. Now, Ron said at the time he was taken aback. He expected... You hear an answer like lack of food, lack of water, medical attention, perhaps problems, conflicts with neighboring villages. But materialism? The villagers didn't have televisions, cars, satellite dishes, even cell phones. But this village leader told Ron, if a man has a mud hut, he wants one made out of cow manure. If he has one made out of cow manure, he wants a stone hut. 
If he has a thatched roof, he wants a tin roof. If he has one acre, he wants two acres. We all struggle with it, don't we? No matter how much or little we have. Because really, it's a heart issue. So what's the cure? Generosity is the cure for materialism. Materialism doesn't make you happy. It just makes you want more, which leads to more dissatisfaction. Generosity leads to contentment. Whenever you give, you are a blessing to someone else. Whenever you give, you are blessed because it leads to contentment. Here's Proverbs 11.25 in the Bible. It says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So how do you move from, if I had more, I would be generous, to, if I were generous, I would have more? In other words, how, how do you become a generous person? Let me share with you three ways to do that. Here's the first. Trust God by being a percentage giver. Now this is a place to start. If you set aside a percentage of your income each week and give it to God, um, that, that's being a percentage giver. Often you hear something that's called a tithe, and a tithe simply means giving the first 10% of your income to God. That's what God taught in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible. Here's how it was stated on one occasion. This is Leviticus 27 verse 30. It says, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether the grain from the fields or the fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to Him as holy. God instructed His people, the nation of Israel, to take the first 10% of their income each year, their crops, in other words, because it was an agrarian society, and to bring it to the tabernacle, bring it to the temple. And they actually gave additional offerings, but that was a starting point for them. Now, I grew up going to church so I've heard this kind of thing taught my whole life. And for the most part, I've done this my whole life. Even when I was a kid, I gave at least my first 10% to the church as the tithe. I've continued to do that to this day. But honestly, if my situation were different, perhaps even where some of you are today, and I heard someone say that I was supposed to give the first 10% of my income to God, here's what I might think. 10% are you crazy? <laughs> you may be thinking, you know, when I became a follower of Jesus, I meant that, but I didn't sign up for this. And honestly, I get that. I mean, yep, this is a sensitive issue. And we tend to put our guard up on this topic quicker than almost any other topic there is. I think God knew we might be that way. So he gave us promise after promise in the Bible that the only way to find true meaning in life is through generosity. Check out one of those it's 2 Corinthians 9, verses 7 through 8. It says this, You must decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Isn't it interesting that God says He wants to be generous with us so that we can be generous with others? Why did God promise us over and over and over again in the Bible that if we're generous with Him, we invite Him into our lives in ways we never could have imagined? Maybe it's because God knew that the idea of giving back the first 10% would freak 
us out. Think about it at a deeper level. In order to do that, you'd have to rearrange your life, wouldn't you? Rearrange your life around God. Change some things. Adjust some priorities significantly. And we'd have to trust God. We might have to rethink how we're spending our money. We might even have to live to a budget. And it would take faith. We might have to depend on God like we never have before if we did that. You see, this really isn't a financial decision. It's a spiritual one. It's a decision that gets to the core of what matters most to us. So what matters most to you? You know that God doesn't need your money, right? He's God. <laughs> so why does God say over and over again in the Bible that we should be generous? Why does he tell us to give? Because he knows what will happen to us when we start giving. We even start to become like him, a giver, generous. One of the most, if not the most well-known verses in the Bible is John 3.16. And it tells us who our God is. A generous giving God. Listen to what it says. For this is how God loved the world. He gave. His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. God loved us so much that He gave. He gave His one and only Son. I don't know about you, but that's hard for me to get past. If you're a parent, how much do your kids mean to you? Could you give up your one and only child? Could God be any more giving with us than that? I remember when our first child went off to college, our daughter, um, she went to school four hours away. Janet and I dropped her off her freshman year. We both say, looking back now, that drive home was one of the longest four-hour drives we've ever had. Janet said that all the way home, she was thinking, did I do enough as a mom? Should I have done this? Should I have taught her that? Literally, I just kind of felt this sick feeling in my stomach. I mean, here I am driving away from my little girl, my only daughter, and I was leaving her there. And actually, all we were doing was dropping her off for college. So it's hard for me to read John 3.16 and not feel some of the emotion of this verse. A father giving up his child, wow. That's the kind of God I have, irrationally generous, inexpressibly giving. While the tithe was established in the Old Testament, and Jesus even told the religious leaders on one occasion, he said in Matthew 23, 23, you should tithe. The New Testament standard is really to move beyond a tithe to generosity, based on how much God blesses you. For me, that challenges me to start with a percentage, move to the tithe, and move beyond that and give even more so that I can have more joy, so that I can have more impact. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Start where you are. Set aside a percentage each week. That was the instruction that the Apostle Paul gave. You read about it in 1 Corinthians 16 too, where he said to set it aside. 
Even if it's not 10%, start with some percentage. Maybe it's 3%, maybe it's 6%, and so on. But begin by taking the next step. And if your finances are a mess, making this decision could serve as a catalyst for you to get your finances in order. Let me encourage you, get involved with Financial Peace University. We're going to offer it here again at the Ridge this coming January. It'll help you get that all straightened out. Sure, it takes faith. You have to trust God to do this. You know, he even told us to test him in this and just see what will happen. Trust him with a percentage. Here's the second thing that will get you on the road to becoming a generous person. Plan your generosity. Listen to Isaiah 32, verse 8. It says this, But generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. Generous people plan to be generous. Generosity becomes a planned decision. It's intentional. Sure, you know, randomly buying someone's coffee behind you in line at Starbucks is a good thing to do, and it's fun to do from time to time, but it's so much more than that. At a heart level, if you want to be generous, you plan it into your life. You create margin in your life so you are able to be generous. The tithe of the 10% is the beginning of that plan. Do you remember a couple weeks ago, if you were here, the buckets we talked about? I had three buckets on stage, and we said they represented the 10-10-80 plan. That first bucket, the 10%, in other words, we said you give the first 10% to God, and then that next bucket represented the next 10% of the 10-10-80 plan, and with that, you pay yourself. In other words, you put it into savings, into an emergency fund, into long-term savings for retirement. Then, with the 80%, You pay others, you pay the bills, you pay your expenses, and you can set some of that 80% beside to enjoy it. God wants us to do that. But you have to have a plan to do that. Generosity is something that we have to prioritize. It's a decision in our hearts to say, this is so important to me that I'll plan it ahead of time. But then, this is where it really begins to get fun. This is where you can really experience joy. I remember many years ago, we had moved beyond a tithe, and we began to set aside an additional $25 a month in our budget. We just called it a miscellaneous generosity category. And that way, if something came along that we wanted to be able to give to, we had some money already set aside. And sure, it wasn't a lot to begin with, $25 a month, but you think about it, in four months' time, you have $100. And honestly, it was just plain fun to be able to write out a check to someone or some organization that I wanted to be generous with, or a Christian organization, maybe a Christmas gift for a child, maybe one that we sponsored, hurricane relief, tipping a waiter or waitress an extra amount. We have a care fund here at the church. A percentage of what you give to the Ridge goes to help those who need assistance on a regular basis. So when you give to the Ridge, You're being generous with others. We also have here at the church what's called a missions fund. We use that to partner with organizations and with individuals that we as a church would like to be able to give generously to. 10% of our income as a church goes to missions. That's a way we can tithe as a church as well. We give monthly from that 10% to our ministry partners to help them do what they're doing so they're able to do that. And they do it in places like in India 
in the Middle East. We, do, we donated this last year to Samaritan's Purse, a Christian organization. Um, who, what they do is they send emergency relief into crisis situations. So for all the hurricanes that there were this fall, we were able to donate to that. You remember what, how devastated the Caribbean islands were? And we were able to send money to that. We set aside money in our missions fund even so that at the end of the year, we're able to bless some of our missions partners with a financial gift to encourage them. That is so much fun to do. It's rewarding, it's fulfilling. So the know that when you give to the Ridge, you are a part of doing that. But you have to plan that. It's hard to be generous if you don't have any margin. And the way to create margin is to plan it. Finally, Here's a third way to be generous. Start being generous now. If I had more, I would be generous. No. If I am generous, I have more. That doesn't mean if you give 10%, you're going to get financially rich. Maybe you've heard some TV preacher say something like that. You know, If you give a $20 donation today, it wouldn't surprise me you'll get a raise at work. Every time I've given $1,500, we haven't received a $1,500 scholarship notification in the mail. That happened once to us. But once was enough to convince me that generosity is the only way to live because of the joy we experienced through that. You'll have more of what really matters, peace, contentment, joy, Freedom, even freedom from the grip of materialism, which only leads to satisfaction. So I would start today. I wouldn't wait till you get out of debt because then you're missing out on God's blessings until that time. Sure, it's going to require some lifestyle changes. It may require some rearranging of priorities, some downsizing. But you will look back and you will be glad you made decisions like that. Philemon 1.6 in the Bible says this, and I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. We put generosity into action. In other words, am I going to trust God with my first and my best now? One of the most humbling experiences I've ever had related to this was one time when I was on the receiving end of someone's generosity, especially because it came from someone who had less than me, a lot less. We lived in Europe in the late 1980s, and I traveled to many of the Eastern European countries, so I saw firsthand the oppression that communism had on those Eastern European countries. And I stayed with a family in the Ukraine. That's a country you know, near Russia. I stayed with a family in the Ukraine who had no indoor plumbing because they couldn't afford it. The year was 1989. I ate a meal with a family of four in the Ukraine where all four members of this family lived in a one-room apartment. And I can remember being there as their guest, and they brought out a spread of food that embarrassed me that they had done that because I knew they really needed that food for themselves. They served chicken for the meal, 
It was one of the very few chickens they had. They didn't eat meat every day. They were lucky to have it once a week. I didn't want to eat it. But then I realized something. It brought them joy to be generous with me. Even though I couldn't understand their language, I could see it on their faces. They were experiencing joy like they had not experienced in months because they were able to show generosity to their guest. And it blew me away. I mean, to this day, I remember those experiences. And I also learned something from those experiences. Generosity is not about how much you have. It's about learning to find joy in what you do have. And God wants that for all of us. We have a God who found joy in giving us the ultimate gift or act of generosity. He gave us his one and only son. He wants us to be free from the grip of sin and he wants us to be free from the grip of materialism and learn that it's more blessed to give than receive. So I want to end this morning with both a challenge and a question. Here's the question. What's keeping you from doing this? And here's the challenge. Start today. Go home. Set up a budget if you don't have one. Pay off debt. Downsize if you have to. Rearrange your life and priorities so that you can begin to experience the abundant life of generosity our generous God has for you.